welcome to chapel tonight. I have news for you. It's going to get cold again. Get out those sweaters and jackets again. Um, could we stand and share our theme together? And tonight, could we emphasize the word Lord, just indicating our full surrender to him? Here am I, Lord, send me. Can we pray that? Amen. You may be seated. Actually, uh, you stay up. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to share from you from God's Word in Daniel chapter 3. There's the microphone. And verses 14 through 18. And, Nebuch and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for being able to deliver us from anything that this world can throw at us. And tonight I just pray as we, we hear your word that you make our hearts receptive and open to hear it and help it to change and impact our lives. And we'll just be sure to give you all the honor and glory and praise, for we ask it in the powerful, unchanging name of Jesus. Amen. News music. Actually, it sounds more like Morse code, but that's okay. Good evening. This is the Babylon News and Empire Report here on location in Babylon where three young men um, have just been thrown into the fiery furnace by order of King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's see if we can get a bit closer to the furnace over here. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's a little hot over there. I'd like to hold on to my eyebrows here. Um, oh, there's King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. King, over here. Yes. King. Is it true that you just tossed three young men into the burning, fiery furnace? They disobeyed my decree. When their royal music was played, they refused to bow down and worship the golden statue. And so I did what any other king would do. So you threw them into the fiery furnace? Of course not. I'm a kind, loving, gentle king. I had my guards do it. Well, perhaps we could speak to these guards of yours. Um, I don't think they're really in the mood right now. For some reason, they got a little burned up over this whole situation. So they thought you were too hard on the prisoners, huh? Uh, no, I mean they really burned up. You see, I had them turn up the fire seven times hotter than normal. Seven times? That's pretty hot. Let's just say that if you wanted to roast a hot dog, you could do it from a different time zone. Anyway, when they opened up the fiery furnace to throw the prisoners in, they caught on fire themselves. 
My, my, that's, that's quite a... Uh, uh, King? Yes. Excuse me, King, but wasn't it three men that you threw into the fiery furnace? That's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Are you for sure? Of course I'm sure. You sure there's no one else in there with them? Look, this isn't exactly the number one attraction of Babylon. What are you driving at? Maybe you should take another look, King. Impossible! Four, right? But only three men, clothed and bound, were thrown into this fiery furnace. Now they got company. How can this be? They're in there walking around like free men. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Are there any final statements you'd like to make to the press, King? How's this? I, King Nebuchadnezzar, do hereby make a new decree. Anyone caught speaking against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will immediately be destroyed, for there is no God more powerful than their God. Come on, come on, come on. And so, as King Nebuchadnezzar frees the prisoners, we conclude our report. But may we never forget the lesson we've all learned here today. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a God who will never leave you, even when things get a little heated. And now, back to our studios. It was during the reign of King Jehoiakim that Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. Among the many political prisoners and slaves who were deported to other parts of the Babylonian Empire were three young men named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The names of these three young men were painfully ironic reminders of the smashed faith of the Jewish people. God had always protected the people of Israel. Even in the midst of unavoidable disaster, God had always miraculously turned the tide and the people of Jerusalem had been saved. God had always defended his people and his temple until now. Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian warriors had destroyed the city. They had destroyed the temple. And in the minds of many of the people, they had even destroyed God. Hananiah. Mishael and Azariah. They had once claimed these names with pride and with trust. Their names were reflective of God's strength and grace and aid. For you see their Hebrew names testified to their faith and trust in God. The name Hananiah meant the Lord has been gracious. Mishael signified he is one who comes from God. And the name Azariah declared, the Lord is my helper. The names which were once carried with such pride and joy were now names of ridicule and hilarity. Can't you hear the taunting voices of the Babylonian conquerors? Hey, Hananiah, tell me about how the Lord has been gracious to you. Tell me how he has been gracious to you, a captured prisoner of war. Hey, Azariah, the Lord's your helper, huh? With a helper like that, who needs an enemy? 
the sting of their defeat was sharpened by the very mention of their Hebrew names. Hananiah, the Lord has been gracious. Mishael, one who comes from God. Azariah, the Lord is my helper. In Babylon, the names of these young men were found to be unsatisfactory. And so the Babylonian officials sought out new names for these three intelligent prisoners. To Hananiah, they gave the name Shadrach. No longer would he be ridiculed by the name which meant the Lord's been gracious. Instead, Shadrach meant the inspiration of the sun. Instead of being known as one who comes from God, Mishael was named Meshach, which meant one who belongs to the goddess Shishak. No longer would Azariah be known by the seemingly ridiculous name, the Lord is my helper. He was called Abignego, which meant servant of Nego, the morning sun. And so we meet these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their godly lives had been shaken up by captivity. Their God-praising names had been reduced to names of ridicule and scorn. Finally, they had lost their godly names completely. Who of us has gone through the trauma of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I know that some of us are struggling with the move to Colorado Springs, but who of us has been deported from our home and our family into the midst of a foreign and pagan nation? Who of us has had our faith and our God turned into the ridicule of an entire nation? As we open the book of Daniel, we catch a glimpse of these three Jewish young men. But surprisingly, these three men had remained faithful. Despite all the chaos, despite all the turmoil, despite their painful disappointment, they had nonetheless remained faithful. And miraculously, God was blessing their lives. The Bible tells us that along with Daniel, these three young men found favor in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar. And like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, their lives were elevated above the misery and poverty of captivity. And they were placed into surprising positions of high honor in the king's service. They had been faithful, and God had blessed them. God had given them position. Even in a foreign nation, God had given them status. For three young defeated captives, God could not have given them more. Considering their situation, they had everything they could hope for. But then the trouble started again. Nebuchadnezzar got the idea from a dream to build a golden statue to himself. Everyone in the kingdom was commanded to bow down to this statue whenever they heard the royal music. For the Babylonians, this new decree was no problem. They recognized many gods. They worshipped many idols. They bowed down to many statues. One more idol for worship was not a problem at all. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to bow down to the golden statue would be to deny the one and only God himself. The dilemma that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced is a dilemma which I believe we also face today. Oh, the details are certainly different. I know that. The immediate consequences are not so evident. 
I mean, if we refuse to bow down to the gods of our time, the gods of money or power or position today, then no one is going to throw us into a burning furnace. And yet the dilemma, despite some of the details, is much the same. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to decide if they would choose to save face and bow down to the golden statue, or if they would choose to save their faith and remain true to God. Yeah, I'm sorry for the play on words, but I'm convinced that the reality of our Christian lives is very often a matter of choosing to save face or choosing to save faith. We choose to save face when we water down the message of the gospel. We decide that our personal convenience is more important than our divine obedience, and so we bow down to that statue. We reason that no one would understand if we would witness about Christ, and so we bow down to that idol. We argue that, in, that honesty and integrity are impossible to maintain in the dog-eat-dog -dog realities of the business realm, and so we bow down to that statue. We rationalize that God will understand our dilemma of not being able to tithe, and so we bow down to that idol. We have to save face with our friends, and so we bow down. We have to save face with our colleagues, and so we bow. We have to save face with our family, and so we bow down. We have to save face with our own personal finances, and so we bow. And in the name of saving face, the gospel is heard, the gospel is denied, and the gospel is rejected. We choose to save faith when we actually obey God. We choose to save faith when we recognize that Jesus is all the world to me. We save faith when our integrity before God is more important to us than the popularity we have before other people. We save faith when our treasure in heaven is of a higher priority than our treasure in the bank. We save faith when the purity of our life is more important than the panting of our passions. Each and every day of our lives, we are forced to choose between saving face and saving faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to save faith. I'm captivated by the only words that we ever hear these three young men utter. In all the book of Daniel, in the midst of all that we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we nonetheless only have a couple of sentences which these men spoke. And these words are found in verses 16 and 18 of Daniel chapter 3. They're the words that were spoken to Nebuchadnezzar when he commanded them to either bow down to the statue or be thrown into the fiery furnace. These words reveal the godly principles by which these three extraordinary men lived. The first words that these three men utter in verse 16 are almost revolutionary. As Nebuchadnezzar challenges and threatens them, they answer, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. The emphasis of this sentence in the Hebrew is placed unmistakably upon the word we. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. The whole structure of the words portrays a trust and confidence that they had in someone outside of themselves. The fact of the matter is that when we take a stand for God, we do not need to defend ourselves. God himself will be our defense. Oh, I wish that we could find a freedom from needing to defend ourselves all the time. Because we do this all the time. 
We turn the focus so often completely upon ourselves. And so we defend our actions. We defend our attitudes. We defend our arguments. We defend our mistakes. And then we end up even defending our sins. Well, I really didn't have a choice. I had to do that. And the focus of our argument always seems to revolve around one subject. Me and I. So often we act as if it's all about me. All the time for everyone. The striking thing about these three young men is that although the names have been changed, their identities had remained the same. Despite captivity, despite imprisonment, despite the loss of their temple and their city and their land, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood that God is our helper, that everything does come from God, and that God is gracious. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves for doing what is right. We do not need to defend ourselves. God is our helper. God is our defender. But the words of the young men continue in verse 17. They said, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. Now after we've watched this little skit drama that we saw this evening, these words seem to be pretty easy words to speak, don't they? After all, we know how that scene ends. We know that God does rescue these faithful men from the sting of the fire. But you have to remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know how the story was going to end. As I have studied and thought about these words in verse 17, I do not believe that these words were spoken like a prophecy. I do not think that these three men were saying that God would save them. I think they are pronouncing a profession of faith that God could save them. They understood that God is sovereign. They understood that God controls all of creation. They understood that God is the rescuer of both this life and probably even more important, the life to come. In faith, they pronounced their conviction that God would save them. One way or another, out of death or even through death, God would rescue. But I believe the most decisive words are actually found in verse 18. In verse 17, our three young men proclaim, if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, God is able to save us. He is able to rescue us. But then we read in verse 18, but even if he does not, but even if he does not save us, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods. The faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a faith that said, even if we lose everything, even if we are hurt, even if we are alone, even if we feel abandoned, even if we cannot see the immediate evidence of God's presence in our lives, even if everything goes wrong and we are threatened with losing everything, we will not give up. We will not give up. We will not let go of our faith. We will remain faithful to the God who called us, and we will not serve your gods. God grant us the integrity of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, we're not called to an easy faith. I think that so many people want to trust God and obey God only when the way is easy. Many want to serve God only while they can save face only while they can maintain their status or their convenience. 
but God calls us to complete obedience. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we living a life of integrity? You know, Christ never promised us that we would have things easy. I don't know where people seem to find that in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Christ tells us very explicitly that the way of faith will be filled with difficulties. He talked about carrying a cross. Think about what that means. That's not easy. He speaks of opposition from the world. He mentions even opposition from within our own families sometimes. Too many of us want to follow God only while the way is smooth and easy. But what if there's fire? What if there's fire? How will you live your life if there's fire? You know, some people choose to run from fire. They hide and they duck and they'll even disappear completely while there's conflict or fire or, or, or really hard situations of faith within, the faith within their faith. But the result is that their lives are filled with emptiness, with unfulfillment. You've probably heard the story already, but I'm reminded of the story I once heard about King George of England. When the late King George was visiting a pottery plant some years ago, then two special vases, or since it's an English story, probably vases, right, um, were shown to him. And both were made of the same material and both had been painted in the same style and manner. But one was a beautiful ornament and the other was blurred and unsightly. The king looked at the two vases and said, well, you can sure tell the difference between the quality of materials, can't you? But the manager looked at him and replied, your majesty, what you see here is not a difference in quality. The quality of both vases is exactly the same. They were both formed with from the same clay. The same paints were applied to both vessels. And the same skillful artist did the painting. Well, why are they so different then? King George asked. Why is one of them ugly and useless? And the other is a priceless treasure. The manager, the manager of the pottery plant answered, it's really quite simple, your, man, your majesty. The vase that is now priceless went through the fire, and the other one did not. Friends, I have a question for you this evening. Are you willing to take the fire? God is certainly able to save you from it. God is able to rescue from your troubles. God has the power to change your circumstances. He can erase the problem you're facing. God has the power and ability to deliver you to a new job. He can eliminate the colleague who is harassing you. Sorry, Tom. No. He can heal your sickness. He can take away your financial woes. He can reconcile your family. He can even fix your car. Think of it. God has the power to save you from every problem and even from the hint of trouble. But what if he doesn't? What if God decides the best thing for you is to face some fire? You know, I'm convinced that the integrity of our Christian life is not proven while the way is easy. The integrity of our Christian life isn't proven when everything's going our way. It's proven when there is fire. The effectiveness of our witness is not convincing while everything is going our way. It's convincing when there is fire. The reality and the blessing of God's call in our lives to be ministers and leaders within his kingdom is not proven when all our term papers and tests are easy. Sorry. It's proven. It's not how it's proven. 
It's proven by how we react and stick it out when they're hard and it doesn't make sense and it burns like fire. Today we live in a world of fire. Our culture challenges us every day to step into that fire. It laughs at us. It ridicules us. It says that the Christian way is not worth it, that it's not true. And so what are you going to do? There's really no avoiding it. We must either save faith and step into the challenge of that fire. Or we must back down, save face, and bow to the popular statues of money or popularity or comfort or convenience or public opinion. These are great idols of our day. I'm here this evening to tell you one thing. Step into the fire. Step into the fire. It's not a popular decision. And I can tell you right now, it's not easy. It's not easy. It will probably even hurt. But there's a marvelous truth that we learn from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The truth that we learn is that the only path to true spiritual victory runs directly through that fire. There's no other way. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego chose to take the fire. There's a very fascinating element to this story that we need to approach carefully in terms of our interpretation. But I think that it provides a very significant truth about the journey of faith. In the skit that we just watched, we heard the words that the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar uttered when he looked in on the three young men in the fiery blaze. You didn't miss that part of the story, did you? When King Nebuchadnezzar looked in on the three young men in the fiery furnace, he called out in amazement. We read his words in Daniel 3, verse 25. Nebuchadnezzar said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Do you hear what he says? The fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, we need to be careful before we jump to any major conclusions about the true identity of this son of the gods that this pagan king recognized in the fire. Matter of fact, most commentators believe that this is probably a reference to an angel or some other kind of celestial being. But what do you think? Could this son of the gods actually have been the son of God? I don't know. I think it's possible. I just don't know. But here's what I do know. These three young men did not encounter this son of the gods until they actually stepped into the fire. The fact is Christ himself also went through the fire. When Christ left his glory behind in heaven in order to take upon himself the form and the flesh of humanity, believe me, he stepped into the fire. When he confronted the wrong priorities and self-righteous legalism of the Pharisees, he stepped into the fire. When he struggled and prayed and sweat blood drops of anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, believe me, he had stepped into the fire. When he surrendered himself to the abusive and cruel hands of the Roman captors, he didn't run away from the fire. He stepped right into it. When he silently absorbed the abuse and ridicule of the Jewish religious leaders as they mockingly challenged him to come down from the cross and save yourself if you're really the Messiah, he endured in the flames of that fire. When Christ struggled for his last strangled breath on the cross, and when he finally died on behalf of your sins and my sins, he went through that fire. And you know what? I'm convinced 
that if we want to live Christ-like lives, we must go through the fire also. As a matter of fact, I believe that Christ lives in the middle of the fire. And if we want to meet Christ, if we want to have true spiritual victory, we can't run away from the fire. We have to step into the fire. I'm afraid that too many people spend their entire lives hiding from the fire, hiding from the conflicts, hiding from the discomfort of identifying themselves with Christ. And the ironic thing is that many of these people even spend their lives hiding from the fire in the church of all places. And then they simply cannot understand why they don't find fulfillment in their life. And they can't understand why they can't seem to gain that spiritual victory. They wonder why they can't discover the secret of the victorious life. Do you want to find the Son of God? Do you want to meet the Savior? Step into the fire. That's where Jesus lived his own life. And that's where he calls us to live as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped in the fire. And I think they probably met the Son of God. They met the Savior. They met the one who gives true spiritual victory. So how about us? How about you? Are you running and hiding from the fire? Have things gotten too hot for you in Colorado Springs? Does the way seem too difficult? The class is too demanding? Do the sacrifices seem to be too great? Stop hiding from the fire. Stop acting as if that's something different or unexpected. Step into the fire. Take the challenge. And above all, remain faithful to the call that God has given to you. You know, I don't know exactly what your fire is. It could be the difficulty of living in Colorado Springs where you're far away from family. Your fire could be a difficult church you're pastoring or a difficult job you are working. Your fire could be the doubt that God loves you or the doubt that God has called you or the doubt that God could even use you with the kind of past that you have experienced. I don't know what the fire is you are facing. But don't run from the fire. Trust in God. Pray for his strength and step into the fire. In the midst of the fire, then Christ is waiting for you. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story we have here which shows us that when the fire comes upon our life, that you don't leave us alone, but actually you are right there with us. And you meet us and encounter us in the midst of that fire. You strengthen us, you encourage us, and one way or the other, you rescue us. Father, we have to confess, I think, that we spend too much of our life trying to avoid the fire. Instead of remaining faithful to what you've called us to do, being faithful as the people you've called us to be, and stepping into the fire. Lord, whether the path that you lead us on is one that goes down a, a valley which is comfortable and green and lush, or whether it's one that takes us through the valley of the shadow of death, would you find us faithful to step into that fire and to trust you and remain faithful to you? Lord, would you help us to step in that fire? Amen. coming to a time of the semester which is always an interesting time it's 
actually the last preaching sermon we're going to have and we're heading into summer and Satan's going to be working in your life God's going to be working in your life as well but I can forewarn you now Satan's going to attack you that the fire's too hot the road's too bumpy the struggle's too much and you got to stop and do something else step into the fire friends step into the fire it won't be easy sorry it won't be easy I wish I could tell you it's easy but then I'd be lying to you it won't be easy but it'll be worth it because God will see you through and so trust in God remain faithful to what he's called you to do remain faithful to who he's called you to be and he'll be faithful to you let's pray shall we father I thank you for your presence I thank you for your word I thank you for the example and model of Shadrach and Meshach who are actually the the minor figures in this story it's you father who are on the center stage of this story you who showed that you rescue that you have the power that you are faithful and Lord sometimes in our own lives we've already experienced that then you rescue us in miraculous ways and sometimes you allow us to struggle because we grow stronger through that we trust in you more we learn to rely upon you more and when the victory comes we recognize it was truly from you and not because of us and so father we call upon you we want to dedicate ourselves to remain faithful struggles will come difficulties will be there sometimes the fire will be pretty hot but father you're faithful and you'll help us and so give us your spirit to remain faithful as well help us to hold on in the midst of the darkness and the heat of the fire what we've seen very clearly in the light father and you will bless and you will strengthen and you'll see us through we give you thanks and praise for that promise and that assurance and so as we go back to those classes sometimes hot classes then we know that you're with us you'll strengthen us and we will give you glory and praise and honor because of what you are doing in our lives to you be the glory and praise amen the Lord bless you